Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. Well, as we continue uh, in Luke 18, Jesus gives another parable for us to consider as uh, we seek to answer that question, who are you? This is uh, the parable, the familiar parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And uh, just personally speaking, it's probably uh, the parable that I come back to uh, the most often out of all of the parables of Jesus, because I just continually find that I need it. It's so helpful and so convicting to me in worship. And my prayer uh, for you today is that it would be equally helpful and equally convicting as we go through it today. Now, Sometimes in scripture, when Jesus gives a parable, he just gives the parable with no explanation. Other times Jesus gives uh, the parable and then he explains it. But with this parable, like the one that Dan just preached on, Jesus graciously tells us why he gives this parable even before he begins to share it. Look at verse nine in uh, Luke chapter 18. Verse nine says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So the first thing that we see here in this parable is that it was given to correct those who trust in themselves for righteousness. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He says that these people who trust in themselves for righteousness, they also treat others with contempt. In other words, they, they look down on them. They, they consider other people to be below them, beneath them. Trusting in themselves uh, for righteousness is what's going on in the heart and in the mind, while treating others with contempt is, is the fruit that is harvested from this kind of self-reliant heart. Verse 10, we're introduced to the two people in the parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Take a look at verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees several times in scripture. So we kind of already have an idea of where this parable is heading. But it's important for us to remember that when Jesus walked on this earth and, and he taught, uh, the Pharisees were widely respected. Uh, they were respected for their knowledge of the Old Testament law and they were respected for their, their strict observance to it. So um, we can't look through it through the lens that we know from Jesus' rebukes. We need to consider that these were highly respected men. Tax collectors, on the other hand, they didn't just collect money, but they kept uh, some for them themselves. They, they had a, a reputation for charging more than what they were supposed to. And because of this, they were despised by the people. Uh, they were considered to be traitors and oppressors of the people. So as we look at these two uh, men here in the temple, uh, we see that the Pharisees uh, represent kind of the elite of the elite and the, the tax collectors are the, the lowest of the low. Jesus isn't just telling a story with this parable. He is making a direct comparison between these two uh, extremes of society. And he compares uh, these two uh, extremes in four uh, specific areas. And so we, as we read through it, um, if you're like me, I can read through it and get some of it, but it's helpful for me to actually see it and to see these two extremes side by side. So as we go through it, uh, you'll see it up on the screen uh, as we go to hopefully uh, let this sink in a little bit more fully. The first thing that we see uh, when uh, comparing these two is that they were both going up to the temple for the same purpose, right? The same 
purpose. And that purpose, according to verse 10, was prayer. And uh, you see up there that I, I kind of put prayer in quotes uh, under the Pharisee. You'll see why in the verses to follow. Take a look at verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. Here we see the next thing for our, our chart for the Pharisee, his posture, his posture. Jesus is going to contrast his posture with the posture of the tax collector in a little bit. But for now, look at the posture of the Pharisee. He stood by himself. Presumably, this uh, isolated stance was to avoid the sinners, uh, avoid the riffraff, not to be tainted by them. The word uh, Pharisee literally means a separated one or pure one. And so his standing away from others was not a, a sign of humility, but it was actually a visible representation of his title. Uh, and as we see in his words that follow, uh, he was too good to be near others. This brings us to the next thing on our chart. We've already established that he went to the temple for the purpose of prayer. Now we're given the, the actual content of his prayer and take a look at it. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And then he lists the extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers. And then he even singles out that tax collector over there personally. So basically, if we sum up his prayer, he's saying, God, thank you for me. Thank you that I'm not like the other bad people. Verse 10, thank you for all of the good that I am and that I do. Verse 11, take a look at the next verse. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The last thing that we'll fill in on our chart for the Pharisee are the proclamations he makes. He proclaims first that he's not like the sinners. And he follows this proclamation with the other that he fasts and he gives. And just so we're clear, he spells it out in his prayer that his fasting is actually more frequently uh, offered than that which is required in the Old Testament law. And his giving is more than what is required by God's Old Testament law. Here's the Pharisee. Now we turn to verse 13 to the tax collector. Take a look at verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We talked about the posture of the Pharisee. Now the posture of the tax collector here, kind of three things. First, he stood far off. Notice that it's a greater distance than the Pharisee who stood far enough away from the people to not be tainted by him, but close enough so that they could hear his awesome prayer. The tax collector is described as standing far off, a sign of humility that he was unworthy to even be in the presence of the other people. The other two things, he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. And thirdly, he beat his breast as a visible demonstration of his heart's posture. We hear his prayer, much shorter than the Pharisee, his prayer, God, be merciful to me. And his proclamation, not that I'm so good, but I'm a sinner. If you think back to verse nine that started off this section, rather than trust in himself, the tax collector cries out to God for mercy. Rather than treat others with contempt, he actually treats himself with contempt. 
Jesus ends the parable with these words, verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, if we're honest, verse 11 for us is probably the most shocking. The verse that he, the Pharisee says, thank you, God, for me. I mean, who says that in our day? But for the original hearers and the early readers of this parable, verse 14, this verse is the most shocking. The fact that the tax collector went home justified, that would have just been absolutely mind-boggling for them. But then to add on top of that, that he went home justified, rather than the Pharisee, this would be extremely difficult uh, to digest. So Jesus, in his grace and his wisdom, explains this startling conclusion with a promise. And it's a, a promise that extends far beyond the characters in this parable. He says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So how are we to be on the right side of this promise? If everyone who humbles himself will be exalted, then how do we humble ourselves? Well, the answer is not a long list of do's and don'ts. The answer is back in verse nine, and it's simply this. Don't trust in yourself for righteousness. This was not only the, the starting place for this parable, but it's the starting place for humility, trusting not in yourself. I've got three questions as I, as I close, three questions for us just to consider about this passage uh, this morning. And the first question is, is our title for uh, today, Who Are You? The question isn't really, are you the Pharisee or are you the tax collector? Because the question really goes deeper than that. We, we made our list on the screen to compare the two, but you probably found as we went through that, that it was kind of hard to relate to either one of those two fully. I mean, when was the last time that in a, a public setting you prayed out loud, thank you, God, for me? But be careful not to just then automatically give yourself a, a pass and put yourself kind of by default into that tax collector column because also when was the last time that you publicly in front of people beat your breast and cried out loud, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? I've been worship pastor here for almost nine years, and I have yet to see anyone do that uh, in this context. The reason for this is that the descriptions of the Pharisee and the tax collector in scripture, they're not here to provide us uh, kind of a, a behavior to-do list or a checklist or a, a not-to-do list, as if that's going to be successful engaging our hearts in worship. Our hearts are too sneaky and deceitful for this, for this kind of blatant honesty here. Really, the best way for us to get to the heart of the matter of who are you is by taking it back to verse nine. Who are you? Are you the one trusting in yourself for righteousness or are you trusting in Christ for righteousness? If you're trusting in yourself, uh, that is probably going to be more subtle uh, than thank you, God, for me. But if you are trusting in yourself, even though you don't say those words, you're effectively living as if this is your prayer. So considering kind of all of this, the, the next logical question, after we ask ourselves, who are you? Uh, really, the next question, in order to answer who are you honestly, we need to ask how can you gauge your, where your trust is? How can you gauge where your trust is? 
look at, at our text today, uh, several insights here. Um, first, check the words you say. Check the, the prayers you pray. Check the thoughts you think. You might, again, not say the exact words of the Pharisee, but how often are you confessing your own sin in prayer? How often are you praying for your own sanctification, recognizing that this is a work of the Lord and not a work that you do by yourself? And really take a step back further. How often are you just praying? Prayer isn't just a random example that Jesus picked for this parable. I believe Jesus picked prayer in this parable because prayer is the most significant indicator for where our trust really is. You know, a lack of prayer in your life isn't really an issue of laziness or a lack of discipline. At its core, prayerlessness is because you don't really think you need it. When I get hungry, I know I need food, so I go get food. When I'm thirsty, I know I need a drink, so I go get some water. Why don't I treat prayer as that type of essential category in my life? If you aren't praying, you're probably more self-reliant than you even think. Another way to gauge where your trust is is check the way that you treat others. Jesus clearly links in this passage our trust in self with how we view and treat others. And I just encourage you to think carefully through this today. Don't just quickly gloss over this and say, yeah, 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 I've got some work to do, but I'm okay. Uh, Think about this. Who are you? One more gauge. Check your posture. Do you have a posture of pride or humility. Ask others who know you well and love you enough to be honest with you to answer that question about your posture. Really think about this last year. I think uh, one of the, the benefits of last year is that it put on full display our postures, whether it be pride or humility. What have your uh, social media posts uh, shown about your posture? What have your conversations, the words that you've used uh, in debates, a posture of pride or a posture of humility? The last question that we have for this section, how can you trust more in Christ and less in yourself? Again, it's not a long to-do list. It's very simple. One, remember who you are. From this text, you're no different than the extortioner, the unjust, the adulterer, the tax collector, verse 11. Uh, you're a, a sinner in need of mercy, verse 13. Remember who you are. And secondly, remember who God is. God's the only one who can give you what you need, that mercy that you need, verse 13. He's the only one who can justify, verse 14. The only one who can truly and ultimately exalt or humble you, also verse 14. The reason why I love this passage so much is not only because I need it on repeat in my life, but also because of how foundational this parable is to worship. My job each week as worship pastor is essentially this, to to help us all answer this question. Who are you? Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you aware of your need of Jesus? Because the truth is we can not worship Jesus if our trust is in anything or in anyone other than him completely. 
If we're honest with ourselves, our, our trust is not fully in Jesus as much as we think it is. And so it's helpful for us to weekly have a reset on that. We need to honestly admit this, repent of it, and seek to grow in our trust of him. We're going to sing two songs now, and they're meant really for us to, to carefully consider what we've read from God's word uh, in this passage. The first song could be written from the tax collector's perspective. We are, are sinners and we need uh, the mercy of Christ. And the second song really um, confronts the, the thinking of the Pharisee. No matter uh, what good we could do, it's still insufficient for our salvation. Christ is our only hope for righteousness. So would you stand as we sing and pray together? To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. Thank you for listening.